0: Mics are hot. <laughs> we'll talk Seattle. Yo, how's it going, Matt? Oh,
1: good. How about you, Colin? Thanks for turning this music up.
0: Oh, turn it up? Yeah. All oh, right, we can't play too much because okay. Ludacris might
1: find out. Fair enough. All right. Well, this is us. Wheel Talk Seattle, back Wheel at talks. you,
0: live from Copper Tree. Copper Cafe. Tree.
1: Yep. And here today we got well, it's me, Matt Collins here.
2: Colin, what up, guys?
1: And our guest from the Urbanist, Ryan Packer.
2: Hey guys, how's it going?
1: All right, good. man. Thanks for thanks for being here with us. Yeah, man. thanks. Welcome to the show.
0: First guest of two thousand nineteen. Glad yeah. to be here.
1: Good, good. So. So, uh, just before we were starting, we were getting a little bit established, and we understand that you work at the, work for the Urbanist, and... Oh, wait, no, tell me, how what?
0: did you guys meet? Sorry, we got an origin story for you guys, but okay. we gotta find out, how, how did you meet? How, how did
2: me and I? Matt and, Matt, no, Matt and yeah,
0: I? Yeah, like, what happened? Matt texts me, he's like, dude, we got a
1: guest on the Urbanist, so... I was pretty stoked on that.
0: Yeah, but how did that happen? well
1: well tw- twitter, i twitter hint yes you said twitter. yes <laughs> i started following and liking uh yeah. ryan's material on there uh-huh. and then Ryan one, said th- one thing,
2: thing led to another mm-hmm. <laughs> cool well i found out there was a bike podcast so i had to invite myself on it apparently
0: sweet well thanks for coming <laughs> um, i'm glad you did <laughs> enough of that what's the origin okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're yeah. good at segways yeah we're we're really we're- good at
1: segways here working it <laughs> so cool well just i'll start oh, yeah so <laughs> since you're from the urbanist you want to tell yeah. us a little bit about the urbanist
2: sure so uh we're uh online publication been around for about four years now uh focused on urban issues in seattle particularly uh housing transportation uh those sorts of issues so um we publish content every single day we also have uh walking tours in the summertime and uh, uh meetups every month where you can meet a, a specific speaker who's relevant to seattle right now nice. city council members have almost all of them have been uh stopping by awesome uh, i didn't know about that
1: nice that's amazing um so i saw on the urbanist that they're really involved like, uh, one of the things is engagement um so i see how the monthly things and uh, the tours and the walking tours um <laughs> can promote engagement with people in there yeah
2: sure yeah definitely those are all parts of it and just in terms of just keeping people apprised of when is a good time for people to contact their representatives about mm-hmm. issues that are really important to people who care about cities mm, timing is uh, pretty important around here isn't it exactly action alerts are a big part of what we do in terms of now's the time to contact the city council or the king county council or what 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 have you so.
1: excellent mm. so you said that there was um that they focus on transit and housing a lot. Um, so, what are some of the some of the goals? or some of the, like mission or vision that you could share about the urbanist? Something that maybe resonates with you the most? Sure,
2: sure. So, I mean, our vision is pretty much uh, focused on ensuring that um, people first transportation is prioritized. So, obviously, not single occupancy vehicles. Um, and in terms of housing, ensuring that. Uh, the benefits of density um, are able to, to come to to more areas uh, I think mm. one of the agreed upon uh, facets of, of the urbanists is that density is generally a good thing mm. and that um, and that we want to uh, encourage that from both a climate centric perspective and also mm. just because of a livability um, perspective uh, but also sort of that equity, Uh, historical perspective in terms of how we have the the land use that we have have created Mm. in seattle in terms of the history of of redlining and Mm. single family zones and and all those things in terms of um, making an equitable city it's really important to re-examine that and uh, that applies to transportation as well in terms of uh, making sure that everyone has equitable options
1: yeah absolutely Mm, cool equitable that's awesome yeah, well,
0: it, it seems like things are variable by neighborhood, too, and that can be a huge challenge, I think. I mean, we were just talking right before the podcast about how Ballard was excluded for a little bit,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, either on purpose or by choice or however that went down, but that's really interesting, too, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely, um, definitely, yeah. in, you know, the neighborhoods south of I-90 sort of have all historically been totally ignored, and mm-hmm. that's definitely the case when talking about, bike infrastructure, as we're going to get into Yeah. Here. <laughs>
1: Absolutely cool yeah i find it fascinating where um where the where the resources would go and you're explaining how uh sound transit the light rail is going out towards to the east out towards, towards bellevue because they're paying for it also mm-hmm. and so they require that they get some uh, some of the benefits from it
2: yeah exactly the way that we the way that we've designed our our uh, light rail system is not exactly focused on ensuring that the highest ridership areas get transit it's just ensuring that all of the system gets served, which is a little bit of a different goal, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's the outcomes you end up having with that.
0: Right,
1: it'll be a little bit disparities. Maybe that's why we got like 20 years out until Ballard gets any,
2: yeah, any train. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just one station at that point. <laughs> oh <boy. laughs> even then, yeah, just like Capitol Hill, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm. Interesting. So, what are some of the some of the things you were saying? that like an equitable approach. To um, transit and urban planning. Uh, what are some of the barriers, like getting in the way from that happening? I see that you guys are the voice or providing a voice for issues such as that. So what are some of the things that you come in contact with that could like stop it or slow it down?
2: Uh, so, are you asking in terms of uh, maybe bike projects or overall transit or? Let's uh, do bike. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the barrier there is really the status quo in terms of of what uh, projects get selected, and I think we're gonna get into that in a little bit in terms of how the m- the money is prioritized, but um, the most frequent uh, reason that is cited for not building bike infrastructure is you know traffic. And so we're looking at the transportation system we have now and trying to make decisions on how to change that, mm. and frequently very high use corridors where uh, bicycle infrastructure would be very useful. Uh, runs into traffic complaints or, um, you know, resistance from Seattle Department of Transportation in terms of, oh, well, if you have a bike facility there, taking out a lane, they're going to run into uh, hundreds of seconds of of vehicle delay. And that's Mm -hmm. not acceptable. You know, we used to have a -hmm. standard um, of level of service, which is sort of the 1950s era transportation Standard mm-hmm. grading: How long people are waiting at intersections? That's mm-hmm. the only standard, really, that that had been used for a long time. How long are people going to have to wait to get through a red light, basically? Okay, and
0: but that that doesn't factor in bus or bus transit, or is, is this is like focused solely on people driving, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean the bus is going to be in there, but that's, that's yeah, how yeah, we yeah. designed our system. But mm-hmm. but um, but that's kind of the driver for. Decades of transportation is how long are people going to have to wait not factoring in how many people are in the different modes and you're trying to separate how many people can actually be moved if you had a bike lane or if you had a bus lane or if you had a wider sidewalk or what but that's sort of been the main resistor to um, to equity uh, Rainier Avenue is sort of the direct bike bike no, like, route if you're gonna have oh, yeah. a bike route in southeast Seattle, you're gonna have it on rainier. Oh, yeah, but, we've heard
0: that on this podcast before, uh, actually. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, yeah, if who's
2: written it, but yeah. all the modeling they come back with says, Oh, we need to have a route for trans uh, for freight, and then the number sevens can become a rapid ride, and so you end up with these models that show mm. Mm, we can't, there's no room. I, I remember SDOT came back with a, a-, a schematic, uh, sort of a-, a layout drawing for. What a Rainier Avenue bike lane could look like um, that they were just showing us to sort of demonstrate and it was it was the the two um it was two lanes in each direction one of which was a freight lane hmm. and the freight and bus lane which was the same lane it was a freight and bus lane was was the only thing protecting the bike lane from the general purpose traffic hmm. and so that was the only idea they could do was oh maybe the freight will protect <laughs> people on bikes yeah hmm. huh.
1: So yeah. that's the protection. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So it would seem then that there's some um, idea that they need to move people and move products too. Mm-hmm. Um, but just uh, how they measure how it's getting moved, it would seem that they're measuring, as you were saying, uh, wait times at traffic lights uh, compared to how many people are moving through here at a time. Mm-hmm. Is that so? Mm-hmm. So it seems though that, yeah, if, if we were to like measure it differently, perhaps there would be some different outcomes or stuff like that but also it would also be like there has to be like some priority over like which mode do they prefer or do they prioritize Mm -hmm. doing that
2: yeah well ultimately it comes down to how many people are you moving if you if you do judge it by that then bus lane a bike lane those are going to perform very well in terms of a single lane of general perfect purpose traffic Mm. and so the city council is moving toward uh an alternate definition of what level of service means but even you know as of right now it's still and it's gonna for a long time because you're still talking about about network delay and what you do on one street affects other streets it's still gonna it's gonna really seep in it's still be seeping into the department's mentality they're just not going to use level of service as a term okay interesting yeah
1: i didn't know that no about that so, um, how okay.
0: does, oh, so we've talked on this podcast before about, uh, what's going on in East Lake. We attended a meeting about some of the planned transit infrastructure. How does that differ from what's going on in Rainier?
2: Um, cause I, a, I, mean, I
0: heard a couple of key points, meaning like rapid ride sure. coming through and mm-hmm.
2: that's a good point. Um, so East Lake is obviously a key bike corridor and the city seems to recognize that, um, they are getting a lot of resistance to bike lanes on East Lake due to the removal of parking, uh, even though there's a high volume of off-street parking in the mm-hmm. neighborhood, uh, which is what their studies showed. Uh, but they went back to the drawing board and said, okay, what happens if we look at any other options? And they had a whole list, and it showed that there really aren't any other options, like diverting people off of East Lake for a while is mm-hmm. not going to... Uh, improve safety and it's not really gonna add much parking back in yep and so uh, it, it, on Eastlake I guess we are holding steady so that might be a, a good uh, source of good news right now but it seems like we are gonna get those lanes I think the thing about Eastlake is that there literally is no alternative so mm-hmm. you can't really right there's just not it's right not gonna work. Yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah Colin and I went to one of those meetings
0: Yeah that was a lot of fun to see It was The process in action yep. So yeah. to
1: speak And to see where everybody's like Like what they envision for it And mm-hmm. so Of course like you were saying Eastlake's gonna be used no matter what Because it's the most direct route mm-hmm. Even if they divert it somewhere else People are still gonna ride Eastlake Yeah So how do they balance like Things that are eventually inevitable Gonna happen anyways mm-hmm. With um Um Pleasing everybody Which is impossible I don't know, I don't expect you to answer, but if you want. No, I mean, I, I, kind
0: of, I kind of wonder too. I mean, we're talking about ways we measure, you know, the measure things. And I mean, has like topography or just like the, the the in Rainier, Rainier especially too, it's just like, that's a pleasant way to get from mm-hmm. a lot of places to another, a lot of places. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as like a thoroughfare goes, or you're in other cities and these are like prime, it's like, no, this is the, we want to encourage people to bike here how do we do that? Just because I mean, can you? I mean, how, are they measuring topography? <laughs> is yeah. the question? It definitely <laughs> factors
2: in, um, but in a place like East Lake, that was one of the reasons why the, right. the alternates were rejected, basically. Um, and so, but when you have a, a, a neighborhood like the Rainier Valley, where it's really the only route, and it is a huge freight corridor. Ah, yes. That is ends up being what they hide behind. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's it's all a matter of of uh, sort of I mean obviously prioritization, but yeah. But in terms, well, I mean, I wonder
0: if like a a drastic solution is maybe more in in uh, measure for that. Like it it seems like East Lake, the next logical step would be to upgrade to higher density transit mobility. Mm -hmm. But in like Rainier Valley, it might make more sense to have an off road path. Mm-hmm. Kind of like they have along in the arboretum where it's a you know street adjacent but it allows for yeah. more mobility,
3: yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And so the alternate uh proposal well, it's already been built is the Rainier Valley Greenway, which right. is a very circuitous neighborhood street path, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, you know, it technically goes all the way from basically I 90 down to uh Rainier Beach, mm-hmm. but most people don't ride that whole thing mm-hmm. if you no. there's some some streets you get to where it's, it seems like a sheer cliff that you're biking up oh yeah um and it's
0: it's so easy to get lost if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with that neighborhood yeah I yep. mean I bike through all the, I get lost every time and I bike through there often mm-hmm. right right it's got to follow all those signs it's not
1: intuitive
2: it's, it's kind it do, of
3: just
1: so hard to read no.
2: anyway but by miles that thing is the the most bike infrastructure that southeast Seattle is going to get for a long time mm. so oh shit sure. Uh, sorry, guys. Yeah.
1: Um, all have, right, got off track, huh? No, no, totally on track. Okay. Always on track. Yep. So, man, so I want to know a little bit more about you, so we can get to know you a little bit before we could jump into our all of our to- a couple topics we got. So, how did you get involved with the, the urbanist?
2: Sure. So, um, I've been working for a restaurant company uh, over by the Space Needle. Uh, I li- live uh, li- uh, li- li- in Capitol Hill. Uh, I've been working for a restaurant company by the Space Neal for about a decade now, and I uh, can't take the eight to work because, or from home from work mainly because it's unreliable and uh, takes a million years and is totally packed. So, oh yeah, yep. So I started walking to work, you know, about ten years ago. Also, I was poor, so that that also <laughs> contributed. Um, and so, uh, but that's Denny Way, and it's uh, really, really terrible to mm-hmm. walk on. Oh yeah and so that sort of turned me into someone who's like hey why why does pedestrian infrastructure suck in so many places and uh and so that um one day my my friend uh who's involved in transit advocacy in Tacoma actually was up for the day and was like oh we're gonna go to I'm gonna go to this meetup with this group called the urbanist do you want to come with me Mm -hmm. and uh I went and tagged along and was really impressed with what they were doing Uh, and that was around the same time that uh we had opened second avenue bike lane but i wasn't a, i wasn't a cyclist person i was like uh yeah okay mm-hmm. uh I, I had a bike a while for a while it broke and i didn't replace it and it's like because i live on capitol hill and i was always like it's so hard to to bike around for you know like you know go down to the water and then decide mm-hmm. you want to to bike all the way back up to capitol hill it's yeah. just so hard to like uh, i don't want to do that Yeah um but second avenue opened and then we launched our city-owned bike share program and so and even before that i was like bike share i don't know about that but um (laughs) it's like a couple days before we launched it and i was like this sounds really cool so i signed up and so i was able to use it on the first day and then i ended up um Clocking the, the the most number of trips that anyone has ever clocked on Pronto. Oh, you nice. did
1: no way, wow! And so, that will, will that will hold. It's like two thousand. Yeah,
2: <laughs> two thousand thirty or something like that. Nice.
1: Holy crap! Are you serious? Two thousand
2: thirty? Because it was hundred bucks a year, and you get unlimited thirty-minute trips. So it was just so great, and I I use that to bike to and from my office job instead of walking on denny it was great i, I got really used to it even though fourth avenue is not great and second avenue at that time was just a bike lane but um but, uh, you know paint bike lane but it was a lot better than walking on denny every, every day
1: so. yeah whoa the success story from pronto i love it yeah <laughs> this is rare this is great this is great
0: <laughs> so so what happened when pronto went away what did you do Back on we foot,
2: kept, kept walking, uh-huh. kept walking. Was like, when are we gonna get bike share again? Uh, you know, there was a there was a while there was a hope that we would be able to expand it. Um, mm-hmm. We we had that that brief period where we thought we might get a b vegan b vegan system um, from Montreal, and I tested that bike, and it was actually really freaking awesome. Uh, it's almost more powerful than the current jump bikes. Wow! Um, cool. And uh, but that didn't work out because uh, Lisa herbal and uh, Ed Murray killed it so yeah okay uh, I was gonna ask you why that happened but <laughs> and, then, <laughs> uh, um, and then I just uh, started walking again and and then we got uh spin and Ofo and you tried them all and I, yeah uh, nice. I did uh, and so I just yeah I got back on that and then those all dropped out and then we got electric limes and now we're at jump bikes it's been an interesting journey <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay do, well, so uh, many questions i know <laughs> i, I kind of want to talk about bike share right now <laughs> yeah so let's do it okay um oh by the way if you could go right into it go right yeah, there. Okay. yeah that's yeah. where everybody can hear you. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um so which do you prefer
0: yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite one and what did you like most about pronto and then we'll start from there
2: yeah uh so for pronto i mean it was really just a it it happened to be that that all the stations were pretty much where i Mm want to hang out so there were a lot of complaints about the station area and i totally understand that yep um but it just happened that i spent a lot of time in Capitol hill and belltown and pioneer square and kind of the district sometimes but Mm. it just kind of was perfect um the bikes a lot of people were complaining about those too but i got really used to them and um on the last day of pronto we had a celebratory ride uh, nice. with, with uh, Kathy Tuttle, who was the former executive director of Sale Neighborhood Greenways, and we mm-hmm. had Mike O'Brien showed up, and a lot of other people. And uh, I, I was leading the ride, and I made the choice to take us all up Pine Street. So uh, they Capo, were happy with you, right? To Hill, and they uh-huh. were not terribly happy with me doing that <laughs> on the Pronto bikes. And I was uh-huh. like, oh, what, what's the big deal? Like it's, it's just because I, I, I did that ride every day right. so, huh. okay no big deal the the hairy part of that was taking them on the sidewalk down by um king street station because there's no way to right. really turn from second avenue back onto fourth so that right was, that was fun with uh, i think it was about 20 25 people nice
1: oh that's good yeah mm-hmm. yeah right you don't want to put those elected officials out onto the road You'd be very unhappy
2: Maybe though. Ma- maybe Mike O'Brien them. can do it. Mike O'Brien can do it the best of them. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he can do wheelies. He can do nollies if he wants. Uh, but what's it. my favorite? I mean, the jump bikes we have now—the second generation jump bikes—are really great. Um, really powerful. Uh, I'm—I was kind of a fan of not having e-bikes for a while as an mm-hmm. option because it's—it's it's more more uh, affordable. Uh, second generation spin bikes were actually probably my favorite not mm. e-bike mm. um and then i'm not a huge fan of the limeys they're okay
1: yeah
2: um but
1: what's wrong with those ones
2: they just they don't really they just kind of give you a little pull and you can't adjust the speeds so it's just sort of well, we're gonna go uphill now but it's not gonna one? give you that much of a help so it's just kind of like we're going the same speed whenever. yeah it felt like it
0: was an awkward same. start too mm-hmm like, it just kind of, like, you start pedaling, oh, we're going. I, yeah. sit, I better sit down, you know. Yeah. Yes. I don't
1: think it's really attuned to how much pressure you're putting down. Mm-mm. Correct. But yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess, well, anyways. Um, Cool, man. I, I, I use the, the Lime ones once in a while just because I get the, um, certain emails if you use mm-hmm. will give you, like, a discount. That's so true. I, so, I use my student one.
3: But nice. Yeah
1: cheaper only on the pedal ones though the electric ones you don't no discount
2: yeah
0: i
1: don't even know i haven't seen the pedal ones around
2: lately
0: there's a lot by uw because i think i think uh you know randy he helps us out on that uh, that podcast earlier he was like he was talking about it
1: yeah they're they're all around there just because i think only they use it because Mm -hmm. of the probably because the discount and they can they're young and they can. (laughs) yeah i don't know any better
0: oh Uh, man thank you fueled by ramen
1: right fueled by ramen ramen noodles ah yeah Yeah. well what was your college like go to meal if you had one uh or young adult go to meal
2: uh I I lived on the Chinese food in the in the dormitory uh uh cafeteria Nice college
1: right on I would go for I always I fucking have like an obsession with raisin bran hmm Oh, cereal's
0: the best. Cereals. It's yeah. like instant preparation. Yeah. It's so good.
1: Mm, yep, yep. And you can keep it in your dorm. Just All you need is milk in the fridge and a box on your desk. That's it. In a bowl, maybe once. Three square meals a day. Three squares.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, shall we dive into this money thing?
1: Yeah, let's do
2: it. All right, what you got? All right.
1: So, yeah, do you want to... You hit me up. You wanted to talk about bike finance. Yeah, Why was that? The,
2: the primary thing that yeah I thought would be cool to talk about is sort of getting into you know what what money uh, sources fund bike infrastructure in Seattle and, and how that's going right now, because mm-hmm. I've been covering that topic uh, for the urbanists in terms of the transportation levy that we, we passed a couple of years ago and the problems with that. So, mm. um, But the main impetus was sort of this big article that was in the Seattle Times a couple of weeks ago about transportation spending overall in king county
3: yeah and
2: uh it's breaking down you know king county itself and seattle and all the cities in it and and ultimately we're spending 0.2 percent of transportation dollars per year on bike infrastructure so for every hundred hundred bucks that for every hundred bucks you spend on, on transportation in king county two dimes is going toward bikes. Mm, and I think my. four dimes is going toward pedestrian projects. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Okay. So that's not a lot. Nope. No. <laughs> so, um, so the people who are yeah. saying that bike lanes are, are costing us hundreds of millions of dollars and it's a waste of money mm. should really keep that in perspective Okay. in terms of, of what is actually getting spent on. It. It's still roads. It's okay. still mostly roads okay. and light rail, obviously, but that's a whole separate
0: so and and, right. uh, and I guess my question is: Are they hurting for dollars? I mean, they're. I mean, nobody's going to say no. We've got enough. You know, let's let's give some to the bikes for a second. No, I'm not going to say that they're going to take as much as they can get. Everybody's trying to grab a big piece of the pie. Definitely. Definitely
2: right. Sure. I mean, well, there's always a deficit of what we would like to spend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I mean, Seattle, just to put it in context, doesn't even have a. Uh, Maintenance plan for non arterial streets. Mm. So there's literally no plan for when <laughs> your your neighborhood street becomes undrivable due to potholes. Right. Uh, uh, that makes
0: so much sense.
2: They're, they're Unless only, you live on a greenway. They're only focused on, yeah, arterials or neighborhood greenways. Mm. Interesting. Like that. So okay. that's one aspect. You know, we have a, a massive sidewalk deficit in Seattle as well that would cost. Uh, billions of dollars and spend at our current rate we will get there in like 1300 years um but somehow we still still always find uh find the money for you know projects like the lander street overpass which is Mm. just a a basically a freeway bridge over train tracks right cost 120 million dollars
1: that's a lot Mm -hmm. and there's only supposed to be one side of the sidewalk, right? Like, of the street, there's only, like, one side that has walking.
2: That's true. The the uh, bridge, which was was touted by Mayor Jenny Durkin as a pedestrian bridge, only has a sidewalk on one side.
0: Oh. Well, it sounds nice. Mm-hmm. But we huh. lose one side of pedestrian traffic.
2: Mm-hmm. And four lanes mm-hmm. of cars. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. What about parking?
2: There's parking under the bridge. Oh, oh shit. Nice. <laughs> I didn't. I was hoping you were gonna say nothing. What about, what about
0: bike parking under the
1: bridge? If at your own risk, if you want, if you want that, yes, you want it.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, because those are always great places to hang out and park your bikes. Uh huh. Yep. Park, and score. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. But or not. But we did pass. It. We
2: did pass a transportation <laughs> levy. You know, in 2015. We tra- passed. Move Seattle. which ah, yes. was basically earmarking around 65 million dollars for bike infrastructure
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so that was the goal there was uh i believe uh 60 miles of protected bike lanes and 50 miles of neighborhood greenways and That's so mm-hmm. um but the cost estimates that were used for that among other projects in move seattle were pretty low in terms of a per mile basis um
1: i wonder why that is why they were
2: well, it was it was very optimistic. They they basically tried to uh, the current administration at that time, which was uh, Mayor Ed Murray and and Estat Director Scott Kubley, tried to make that pa- package as big as they could. Uh, it now appears, based on reporting I've done on on these that that the oversight of that mm-hmm. that entire levy, um, but they didn't know which projects we were going to build is one factor. Mm-hmm. So that sort of I think we should should. Step back for a second and, and I'm going to ask you guys a question, which is yeah. do you know how how we select what projects to build bike routes on in Seattle?
1: Call and go. No idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how do we choose which ones? I was thinking, like,
0: uh, this looks good. Yeah. No, it's not that.
1: A random yeah
0: grab right well i mean there's a lot of bids and there's a lot of people that say i want this i want this or not in my neighborhood or you know there's a lot of that goes back and forth mm. and then i figure there's like a, the council maybe the council or a tribunal of some kind that's like oh yeah we'll just do these right yeah. some kind of push and pull yeah from the, there, and from there's, the there's like a big spreadsheet of like you know yeah king county versus sound transit versus the not right. versus but like here's where
2: things need to go and then right right yeah and so you have those coordination with other projects like you're saying like mm-hmm. rapid ride if we're going to build that we're, we, we want a bike infrastructure um but and and local officials like city council members can make their opinions known on when they want a route and obviously a project like say the missing link is going to mm. really be a, a special thing that's been held up in litigation since um 25 AD but uh <laughs> <I> think um <laughs> But for the for the for the minute, you know, neighborhood projects, how do we decide if we want a bike lane over here and a bike lane over there? Um, obviously, the basis for the overall project selection is the Bike Master Plan, right. which we passed uh, as updated uh, twenty fourteen.
1: So the Bike Master Plan it provides like a a layout, mm-hmm. like a recommendation of where these things should go. And I mean, a lot and of when. people probably supported it because they expected. That it was going to be, like, implemented, right? And then well, and also, it's
0: prioritized based on, like, length of time or resources needed or this is how much... I mean, if it's just all about money, yeah. then maybe so the, it might the be So, the bike about, master plan
2: doesn't really take that yeah. into effect. It basically mm-hmm. says, here's what we would have if we had an unlimited number of dollars. I see. Oh. And so, that's the master plan. Like, if we... All of a sudden, one day, we're
0: just gifted yeah, if we unlimited resources okay. and money.
2: Yeah. Hmm. And so that's a protected bike lane or a neighborhood greenway or an off-street trail Mm -hmm. in almost every single neighborhood and where it would go. Uh, But how we decide what to pick out of that and actually do with money that we have earmarked um, is where the Bicycle Advisory Board comes in. Uh, Cool. So that's an appointed board of both council and mayor-selected people some who just you know you know email and say I want to be on this board, right? Um, but representing a lot of different constituencies, and so they're presented every year with a list of projects to prioritize. Okay. And SDOT provides sort of a, a rubric on which which projects rank high because they are connecting existing routes or yeah. uh, have high equity scores or okay what you what have you. But ultimately, they are the ones who prioritize we should be doing this this year and then this later um and so uh that's sort of the ground level um and usually they divvy up the geography of the city Mm. um so someone like a working group of four or five members will uh, do north seattle central and south seattle Uh, in the past couple years the bike advisory board has really taken a slightly different tactic where they really want to prioritize on getting infrastructure in South Seattle where it's not present mm-hmm. and so that's been a little bit different where they've been like we're literally going to do less uh, infrastructure than we would in North Seattle
1: no, and okay it,
2: yeah. but the hiccup with that right now is that uh, as of this year with our new mayor that list is going back to her desk for approval mm-hmm. yeah. so we're going to see what that outcome of that is
0: okay very interesting
2: but, but the other thing about that is is that around the same time as we started doing move seattle bike projects Sdot came up with a new uh, a new way to install bike infrastructure which is hey hey we're repaving this street and so a couple streets have been getting repavings and oh it's also a bike master plan segment so ah, if we're gonna nice. do that at the same time we should just restripe with a bike lane add the posts it comes out to a fraction of the cost because you're already doing doing the work and repaving it and you have crews out there doesn't need to go out to bid multiple times Hmm. but that's how you get into a situation like 35th avenue
0: which one's okay (laughs) (laughs) i'll say what is this a situation like we we were talking about up by the saint mark's cathedral Was that like a paving situation or we don't know where that came from
2: uh Hmm. so 35th was is a street in, in northeast Seattle, so okay. over in Wedgewood. And okay. so that was on the repaving schedule, uh-huh. and it was announced that uh, they were going to try and put bike lanes on the street, as proposed by the Bike Master Plan. Nice. There wasn't right. going to be enough room for a protected bike lane in both directions, uh, particularly because there's some bus stops. So it was going to be a protected bike lane in one direction and a, a paint bike lane uh, non-protected in the other direction between 65th and 85th mm. and uh the neighborhood had a uh, quite a large fit about mm. that.
1: yeah there's some uh, some real action going on over there i've heard um save 35th and safe 35th what's yeah. what, like what's yeah. what's going
2: on so save save 35th save as in keep the same as in don't change anything as the in, status quo as in we don't want to lose our parking along 35th avenue the proposal was to take out a lane Of parking on one side of the street Currently uh, on 35th Or I should say before the repaving You were not allowed to park on one side Of the street during morning rush hour And not allowed to park on one side of the street during PM rush hour hmm. and they were just proposing Moving that all to one side and so it's not A big reduction of parking and there's A huge amount of off street parking in the neighborhood Oh yeah uh, uh, But the ironic thing is After several Like 18 months now of of uh, vitriol and back and forths and community meetings and death threats for Rob Johnson, council Whoa. member, and uh, fireworks placed on construction site. Um, uh, equipment uh, as an intimidation tactic.
1: Whoa. So um,
0: <laughs> so people That's aren't happy. No. Well, okay. So S-Dot, this was dot's idea.
2: It was, yeah, but it was backed up by Rob Johnson, who's uh, a neighborhood, okay. Uh, okay. District Four representative. That's his district. Okay. Now right? retiring, yes, um, from wow. the council after one term. Oh my he, goodness! He received huh? death threats uh, over this, That's, and so um, this is all within
0: the last like year and a half. Mm-hmm.
2: And so our current, our new mayor has sent that into mediation. Uh huh. And so there's save thirty fifth versus save thirty fifth. You guys come up with a solution. Uh, the Compromise, quote unquote, alternative was um, we take away the bike lanes uh, and we had a turn lane, Uh which would not have added any parking back to Thirty Fifth, and would have provided no safe place for um, for bikes. And it was basically a a no win alternative. Mm -hmm. No one should be happy with that, except Save Thirty Fifth went ahead and said they're okay with that, which just tells you about. They really just don't want bikes on their street. Yeah, no, because it it's street. not the parking now.
0: Right. Oh, they can't park there. Yeah, they couldn't park there. They can't park there unless they get their way. There's basically.
2: no alternative that. Yeah, that adds any more parking back, mm. and this neighborhood doesn't need extra parking. They have it was at forty percent utilization according to a an uh-huh. study, and there's a huge amount of off street parking. Um, but
0: I I really okay. So this is a, this is related, but slightly. I have a hard hard time understanding why parking is so important. Like, why is that? Why is that something like we were talking about measurables? Mm-hmm. Um, why was parking high higher priority than like wait times or something? It seems it feels like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, I mean, I joked about it earlier, but like, mm-hmm. car parking is really important to people.
2: Yeah, you're just seeing Great. that direct connection between sort of small businesses and mm-hmm. the neighborhood, and so there's there's this perceived direct connection between amount of money spent at businesses and the amount of parking and so
1: what's like, one of the myths then for that for the,
2: that the myth is that people who arrive by bike spend more mm-hmm. on average uh-huh. and people who ride by transit are, spend more on average than people who ride by car so that's true it's it's true um and that a loss of parking is not correlated to a loss of, of businesses i mean you A loss of business I should say hmm. at Sales dollars mm-hmm. um, And you all know Examples of Great businesses That are really popular That don't have Very much parking Or any parking at all We're in and, one of them Right now <laughs> Yeah <laughs> And you know Pike Place Market Is a great example of that uh-huh. Uh Even though there's Obviously garages nearby And there's always Parking close by Usually where you're going Unless you're going Um To an uninhabited island I guess But <laughs> But you just have to walk a little bit so Mm -hmm. um but there's this sort of direct connection We you need to have people able to hop back in their car after stopping somewhere but Mm. uh, people find alternatives and that's true for traffic too so it's sort of that Uh those are kind of the same the same issue um resolved the same way
1: so there's a lot of hype around if there's not enough traffic going on then there's going to be inefficiencies there if there's not enough um, parking available? That there's not going to be enough business spent around there because bikes are getting in the way of cars parking, cars moving through to spend dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you just said that that's not true at all.
0: No. Well, right? oh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh no. I was say I was going to relate it to something that we have going on currently, like. What happens if we delete a highway in the middle of the city mm-hmm. just for like a month and see what happens? You know, it's going to be chaos. Right. What happens if we delete a bunch of parking spaces? Oh, it's going to be chaos. Business is going to go under and insta- wait, right. right. Wait, why don't we try that? Right. I mean, we did try that and
1: yeah, nothing's on fire. Yeah. These gain traction really quickly and really easily, yeah. it yeah. would seem, with major news medias about uh, closures of this. You know, you're going to have I mean, to adapt to this. what happens
0: when there's a threat of snow. <laughs> and that too yeah man. I mean the food service, the food business like grocery stores soar when as soon as there's a threat of snow everybody buys all the water there's the surgeon business and that's all media fueled right well right. weather channel yeah and
2: then if <laughs> <laughs> media sponsored no, so they and, but yeah. even with even with the loss of parking like it's we're talking about safety here, so uh-huh. you, you really can't compare the two things very seriously in your mind, and and then you have to ask yourself what kind of city we need to have to to move into a a carbon uh, a carbon uh, light or a carbon neutral future. Uh-huh. Like, uh, ultimately, you know, we do have a lot of car centric businesses in, in in cities because we've built cities for cars for. A uh, couple decades now uh, And so
0: And Seattle was built around I mean Seattle knew, Wasn't built before the car Essentially Like The car came to ba- Seattle Barely, with Se- barely yeah. yeah It was like right mm-hmm. in
2: line Sure mm. uh, And But You know I'm not saying that You look at a You look at a uh, Thing like the Missing Link mm-hmm. And you have a lot of Industrial businesses Which are, are Great But we look at the future, and it's not necessarily uh, going to be those industries that are are It's not going to be
0: transportation by vehicle, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, motor okay. vehicle.
1: Okay. Something that also is related to that would be, I think, is uh, the extension of the, the, the protected bike lane down Broadway. Down okay. Broadway as well. Sure. Is that mm-hmm. there was a lot of uh, pushback from businesses there really concerned that, you know, they're not going to do so well. That during construction, and then afterwards, that it's just going to suck.
2: Sure. Well, construction's obviously a pain. Yeah. Those are real things. People don't hang out near near, uh, jackhammering, so that's a real concern for for every project. Definitely. Um, Broadway is, I mean, a really interesting example because the... Protected bike lane that was installed there was installed there to separate users from the streetcar tracks, and so mm. it, it was a safety measure to make sure that people are not biking near streetcar tracks and getting downed. Even though, unfortunately, we did have someone who was uh, killed that way on a other segment of that streetcar line. So, mm-hmm. um, but if you're on Broadway, like th- that's a that's the busiest pedestrian corridor in seattle like the busiest pedestrian counts in seattle's traffic reports year after year are broadway and east olive street like wow 20, pedestrians a day um mm. walk by there and mm. so the that's argument long. that bikes are gonna hurt your business your business is not doing well because of people driving there right now if you're on mm-hmm. broadway mm. if anywhere if anywhere in seattle and so um i mean you walk along broadway and People are jaywalking constantly across the side streets because it's such a pedestrian-focused area. It's just it's expected even in that area. So, uh, but ultimately, that issue is tied to whether the streetcar should be extended and who mm-hmm. should pay for that. And so that's a whole mm-hmm. separate issue. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's a little tie-in there with
3: yeah.
1: the transit as well, <clears throat> which we don't have a problem. Well, we don't have a problem spending that, but just. I guess it's all coming to an agreement to where it's going to go. Yeah,
0: just my, and it's not the same way. Um, it's not delegated the same way as like the bike master plan. There's a, a transit master plan, I would, or something similar. I'm guessing.
2: Uh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get into that, we could talk well, about yeah, that. We could do a um, little. Yeah. Um, you know, we have these corridors, and so that's a basically adding rapid ride, but adding it with priority, um, and also the multimodal. Uh, facilities when it's possible. So, um, bike lanes um, on East Lake are part of that. Um, I know that the Delridge Rapid Ride is going to have some sort of bike component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to lack of funds. And so, the original Move Seattle projections were very optimistic about federal funding. And now we mm. have uh, a terrible, terrible president. So, mm. it's. A very different picture and so okay. we've already we've already downgraded three of the rapid red lines to minimal improvements mm. and okay. so um and even the ones that are remaining are not not set in stone in terms of what we're actually going to get but we'll see like we're still waiting on federal funding so mm. Mm. but back to the 65 million or so that we are getting from the move seattle levy Two bike projects over this nine-year levy that's supposed to build 110 miles of bike lanes. You know how is that going? Uh, was sort of what I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. because you know we had this whole thing about Second Avenue Extension, which is just a game-changing facility for our city. Like it's there. Mm-hmm. There is kind of it's hard, kind of hard to imagine Seattle without it now because it's just such a great facility and it it's it's integral. For, for our bike network. Okay. But it cost a lot of money to build. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things we built with our Move Seattle money.
1: Sure did. So, uh mm -hmm. And so,
2: you know, we ultimately ended up with a figure of like 12 million per mile or something like that. Um, And the question is, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Uh, And why was it so expensive? And if you look at that facility, the the big costs were the new traffic signals. Mm -hmm. Second Avenue had outdated traffic signals. Most of the, some of the intersections didn't even have them. And so pedestrians were basically on your own through Belltown through one of the densest parts of our city, which was crazy. Uh, A block from my office, you would not like you would just avoid crossing second Avenue. Mm. Um, And now it's totally protected and you have to have those full signals where cars can go and then, Bikes can go and then cars can go again. It's 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 ine- integral to what we know about bike safety, and so having to replace all of those, having to do all the utility work to rip out and you know they didn't install very high quality concrete and uh, paver uh, and, and planter um, buffers, mm-hmm. but ultimately tr- new traffic signals are the biggest part of that, mm. and so you're paying for pedestrian safety you're paying for uh bike safety you're paying for the safety of everyone on that corridor and so it's it's a lot of money but it's it's well spent and worth it yeah and so but most of that project is not a bike lane right right
1: oh yeah so i was fascinated how that was uh then kind of taken as bike lanes cost 11 million dollars so you kind of are going to be um um you know, it's just too much. It's just too much that we can do. Mm-hmm. Or it just costs too much. So, okay. So we talked about how it's determined how to be spent, what projects, and how Second Avenue was kind of uh, just cost a whole lot of money there.
2: Mm-hmm. And then Seventh uh, Avenue came on its heels. Yeah, I remember so that. That came up quick. Yeah, and so that was, that was kind of taking advantage because. Um, so, when Amazon put in their new buildings, mm-hmm. those three towers. Right. Um, spheres, too? With the spheres. Uh, the So, they basically paid the city for those alleys. So, they could build buildings on, mm. the, on the alleyways mm-hmm. permanently. Mm-hmm. What's called a vacation of that alleyway. And so, the payment is in a public benefit. And so, mm-hmm. they paid for... I believe, streetcar hours. They paid for an actual new streetcar, and they paid for a bike lane on the 7th Avenue side. And so the city's like, well, we're getting this paid for, and so we should connect that so we can take advantage of that infrastructure. And so that was sort of prioritized above that. But it's also a pretty expensive per mile cost because of, once again, all those new um all those new infrastructure uh, requirements, and yep. they copied the meth. The they, sorry, they copied the the layout of that particular bike lane where, it, where it's raised to the level of the sidewalk. Mm. So it's a very sturdy, non-street surface yep. bike lane asphalt. Very permanent. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and it was with high
2: quality. Yeah, as you're saying. Yeah, totally protected from the uh, the the trees nearby. They're not going to get you know. Uh, ripped up by roots that are moving, and so, um, so they invested the money, but ultimately it was it was a very expensive per mile project. But mm. the people who live in Seattle in ten years are going to say this was a great investment. Mm-hmm, definitely. But the question is, that's what we chose to do with our Move Seattle dollars for for bike projects.
1: Okay, so that may so that makes me wonder. Then is. Um, so, you were saying there's a couple lenses that can be used to determine which projects get funded and where, and then mm-hmm. like when. So one of them being the equity lens, one of them being like the amount of people moving through. Sure. So it would. So there's a lot of constr- a lot of bike lanes coming up around uh, in the downtown area, but what those would be the most those would be the highest cost mm-hmm. ones, right?
2: Yeah, the city's really focused on connecting downtown because that's where people want to go. Right. But It's also the most high cost routes.
1: Right. So. If they're doing their miles with the money that they have now allocated per year, whichever, mm-hmm. um, and they choose to do the most expensive ones first, so it's gonna be the least amount of miles to go, but maybe have the highest amount of people using it. Yeah. Or you could really use get like your bank for your buck and just like do like connect neighborhoods between each other, mm-hmm. and that maybe would cost less and so maybe even have, but you know, all, all at the same time, like we're saying, 35th is
2: um yeah so that's where you come in, in your, like that that's where you get your savings is by taking advantage of those repaving projects and getting a lot of miles when you can at one time um but doing a whole lot of miles on another uh just not just going ahead and building a long corridor is it's just very it's very expensive because you're going to have to rebuild almost everything
1: for sure and if it's not ready or if it's not time for it to be repaved at that time Mm -hmm. even more that was
0: another point i was thinking about is like putting off projects because i mean this maybe goes back to what you said about the bike advisory board perhaps not giving saying well this building's getting built it doesn't make sense i'm thinking about on greenwood avenue there's bike infrastructure there and part of that was wait part of that bike infrastructure getting built was waiting for some of the other apartment buildings getting done first i mean they're still having to close it and yeah, Fremont Avenue or Stone Way is another example. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember an infamous infamous text message that was sent by then S dot director Scott Kubley to mm. Mike O'Brien, talking about Ninth Avenue North uh-huh. because that that was one of uh, that was one of the bike lanes that that the council was really concerned about. They had put a proviso, sort of a hold on the Pronto expansion money, uh. saying that you can't expand Pronto until you do these. N- uh, like six bike projects and 9th Avenue North was one of them mm-hmm. and there was an infamous text message that was sent by him saying we're going to do 9th this year that was 2015 huh. it's 2019 right now and that's not done yet so mm, right. it's not even half done because they, they did half of it and then they ripped that out so hmm.
1: and we're trying to go for efficiency here we're trying to go with if it's going to be paved let's put down a bike lane or if we're going to yeah. put up a bike lane maybe we'll take it down too
2: yeah and so the in terms of the cost like the 35th project was like going to end up being $150,000 per mile.
1: Seems reasonable. Almost a very uh, low,
2: very low cheap amount yeah. hmm. with the repaving. And the alternative that's being put forward by Save 35th is to have a neighborhood greenway hmm. um, on another street. But... Uh-huh. That means that they are literally taking money from another neighborhood to do a bike project.
1: Huh. Mm. Huh. That doesn't sound equitable to
2: me. No. 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 Wow. But the ultimate, the ultimate uh, point about these high cost infrastructure projects that are happening downtown is that we are using up that Move Seattle money. Mm. Right. Good, good to know. Very quickly, and so. Uh, the last four years of the levy, we're expected to spend almost nothing on bike infrastructure. I mean, we will have almost nothing to spend from our levy. And so the question really? is, what are we going to do? Because in order for Seattle to be a leader on climate, we need to build bike infrastructure. Interesting. That has to happen. and yes. so yes. That's yes. what I'm kind of wondering.
0: Yeah. Maybe there's some stuff left over from some of these car projects that aren't going to work. I don't know. It's like throws a bone. Yeah. Although
1: they seem to be all
2: underestimated still.
1: Yeah. Right? So if there's any extra. I would hope so. I'd hope so, too.
2: Costs are up for almost every project in Seattle right now due to labor and Uh uh
1: And land. Yeah. So something real quick then is that we see Mm -hmm. the disparity between, you said that there's two dimes for every $100 we spent, so that's a fraction of a percentage Mm -hmm. being used for cyclists. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's been like reported that we're at a pretty steady 3% here of commuters mm-hmm. getting around and there's probably even more who aren't Oh, another dime counted would be dope. As what? <laughs> another dime would be awesome. I know,
0: just one more dime. I mean, two, but one more would be fine. Anyway, continue It's Sorry
1: more. <laughs> it's more. Either way it's more. <laughs> so, we see a big like spending disparity there. Um, what kind of a uh, what kind of things do you suggest as like a person who or suggest? What do you think are some um, solution or like reasonable solutions.
2: Yeah, so a lot of states uh, invest money from the state level in pedestrian and bike projects. Uh, Washington doesn't really do a whole lot of that. And so uh, that's a great source of funding would be increased state level assistance as opposed to um, the amount of money they spend on highways. Okay, Our state mm-hmm. constitution currently requires that any gas tax Uh, revenue be spent on highway projects, which is a very car-centric 1950s-era amendment, Mm -hmm. but there's still options. Um, And then a lot of people are talking about impact fees right now, which is basically Mm -hmm. uh, fee charged to new development. Um, Personally, I'm not a huge fan of that um, in terms of adding more to the cost of housing. Mm. Um, Mm. The existing homeowners in my view, are also benefiting from our high-cost of housing, and so they also should be asked to pay more. But mm-hmm. but that's an also an alternative funding source in terms of uh, local improvements it could be funded via impact fees, but it, mm-hmm. it is required that they go toward the immediate area that you're, you're building at. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, when, that's when it's top, being collected,
1: then you have to spend there. Where it's being collected, you spend there. Yeah. yeah, okay,
2: but ultimately, it's all about what the city prioritizes in terms mm-hmm. of. Um, there's always money that comes up in terms of, you know, real estate, excise taxes, and commercial parking fees, and it's a matter of mm-hmm. where the city prioritizes it. So,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah. It's so, just, let me throw out a couple
1: solutions here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see which ones uh, stick. Um, let me see. Where did I? I got I came up with a couple of ones that I think maybe. Uh, Colin, okay. Colin once told me about one uh, that is there's like a perhaps it's like a mandate uh, in another country, uh-huh. Scandinavian country. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you what, tell me more about that? It, it was I'll like a dollar
0: for dollar match for road road and uh, cycling infrastructure. Like if you build a road, you have to build bike lane and like facility for pedestrian too. Mm-hmm. Like literally one to one. And they were trying, they were running out of places to put bike lane bike lanes, so they just built like expensive bike highways in the middle of nowhere. No. But people use them because if you build it, people will use it. Oh,
2: that's great. Yeah, no, it sounds like a a complete streets ordinance with teeth. You know, we have uh-huh. we have that, but it's very easy to get around it by saying, "Oh, it's not, it's not enough room," or we have to. Oh well, all the standard arguments that we yeah. keep hearing. And yeah, well, I was oh, wondering why
0: why they keep showing. Up. It's like, well, it's not good for parking, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that might be just built into some of the governmental infrastructure.
2: Yeah, mm. pretty much
1: also okay here's
0: another
2: one then
1: um how come well why not we just like uh tab bikes mm-hmm. or toll, oh, toll yeah. bikes didn't they because we don't pay enough right like, they try to do, do, do cyclists pay? pay in new york like bike license plate they do i think they have to register like couriers oh
0: crap no it's not you it's the headphones are good it's not oh, getting recorded <laughs> yeah okay janky wire sorry yeah can i use the restroom sorry. you guys you can do whatever you want
1: <laughs> you guys want a beer
0: no we're, i'm good <laughs> okay uh, we got to figure out what we were just talking about though. Um, when, uh,
1: well, do bikes pay or do cyclists pay for the roads now? They're using oh, are
0: we paying for the roads? Yes.
2: Uh, yeah. Make, make cyclists pay, uh, car tabs and tolls. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so that's an interesting idea that's put forward by people who don't want to encourage cycling. So, uh-huh. um, we want people to get out of their cars and onto bikes. So right. Adding a fee of any kind kind of crazy so
0: okay back up back to that real quick um that so that was part of the rhetoric i think coming from the seattle times recently with the uh carmageddon or whatever via doom mm-hmm. all of the keywords. but uh, that Jenny, was a thing Jenny jam yeah <laughs> love it uh, yeah but that was kind of it it's like oh you can bike you can always bike you can always bike mm-hmm. but uh, yeah i can't i can't remember how that related
2: i mean we we have to acknowledge no not everyone can bike right but Uh that's not what we're saying at all Uh uh-huh and so that's frequently an argument that's people use to hide behind what they're really saying right but no not everyone can bike people who need to drive should be able to do Uh that and so that's why the roads shouldn't be clogged with people who don't need to drive right and clogging the bus lanes for people who can't drive need to use the bus Uh uh-huh
0: no, that's just as bad. I think too. I mean, I have a friend that uh recently just um got into a bike crash and has been a- having to take public transit everywhere and is quickly understanding too. Like I can't even imagine being on crutches trying to navigate the bus system and I mean half your day is going to going between transfers. I mean this isn't a transit podcast, but mm-hmm. you know it, it 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 all plays into it because they're all intertwined as far
1: as mobility goes. But,
2: oh yeah. yeah, I mean. It
1: so did we nix the idea of tabbing bikes here?
0: Yeah, kind of. Okay, that's yeah, it. well. Y- it was y- an idea. It. it was on the table.
1: It. It was. I mean, it's
0: still on the table. But how do you get people? To, you don't need a license to ride a bike. Okay. So yeah. we did talk
1: about how cyclists have licenses too.
0: Yeah. How do Some you? How
2: do you uh, make people bike more by charging them money? So. Right. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's almost a negative cycle, huh? Uh huh. Get it? Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> is that all you were setting up for? <laughs> I mean, it was like, <laughs> sorry, a good try. Sorry. Oh, here's another one. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, bike transit police. You know, we have mm. like the sounder Sounder, tra- Sounder police.
0: Oh, I see. Like ticket revenue.
1: Ticket revenue. There you go. For illegal
0: cyclists well, right. no, doing stuff. We could do that. The bike police force. <laughs> Are <laughs> you
2: saying higher fines for enforcement of traffic laws?
0: Or enforcing fines for cyclists. cycling laws. Um,
2: but I think you and I know that, that pe- <laughs> people who bike if they break the law they're doing that for their own safety absolutely Mm -hmm. as opposed to people i'm trying to dispel it who who are trying to get (laughs) to work and just want to run red lights but uh i don't know of any people who bike who are just like i don't feel like obeying this law because you might die don't do it right (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna come out to the end of that but if i can get away from this car who's really riding me by by like going through this red light really mm-hmm. quick, I'm probably going to do that. So mm. I don't really want them to be pulled over. No. I 100% <laughs> okay, agree. Okay, good. Plus the whole helmet
0: good. law thing we've talked about before on this podcast. And, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. There's so, another yeah. thing. I mean, if we're going to ticket people for not wearing their helmet, that revenue could go to funding bike infrastructure. But they that's not that's not enforceable by anyone necessarily. I right. mean, the city of Seattle makes it low priority because it's not their law. Thankfully, not even, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> not even a risk priority. It's probably but, it, low but it's a risk. cultural perception that I think it really damages. You know, it, it just it makes it seem um, makes cycling seem less safe than it is. Yep, and it just doesn't. It just creates a barrier for people. Yep, that um, want to be safe. Yep, they can't because the infrastructure isn't safe enough.
2: Here's a revenue stream. Mm-hmm. How about we charge more for Uber and Lyft? Oh, I love it. Huh. Put that toward transit. How about Mm. downtown congestion pricing, or like we call it decongestion pricing? Ah,
0: I like that better. I'd be less inclined to put my U-lock through one of their (laughs) taillights if I knew that they were part of the revenue is going to bike infrastructure. That That is for sure. Right, right. (laughs) Don't do that, by the way. You can go to jail for that. That is actually (laughs) against the law. You can go to jail. Don't touch somebody's car, right? Well,
1: yeah, that's a good place to leave that. (laughs) All right. So so how about um, more like bike shares? Um, people getting on bikes more, they'll want to ride those more, and then they'll realize that the streets aren't safe, right? So people, will there'll be more public pressure.
2: That's true. Um, we have a lot of extra bikes, bikes in Seattle, and we're going to get more. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's good. Yeah,
1: that's something. Okay, okay, so we're reasonable here.
2: I don't know if you want to talk about sidewalk blocking, but sidewalk blocking. Tell me. Yeah, what uh, is that? the bikes the bikes are
0: blocking the sidewalks oh oh yeah 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 right and wasn't the jump supposed to be a little bit better for that by giving you a place to lock it to something or encouraging you to do something it's not being
2: required until I think May when they're going to add more bike racks add more bike racks but that's that's,
0: I think a positive effect like oh we have all these bikes now there's a problem of parking well there's always been a problem of parking but now it's an obvious visible Mm. problem of parking right right for bicycles so maybe it'll be easier to get a bike rack yeah or we can encourage because okay so i found out that if you're if you reside somewhere you can't request a bike rack in front of your house but if you're a business you can and they'll pay for it
1: hmm Hmm. there's a lot of
2: business pull around these
1: bike stuff huh
2: it's almost like people who bike to businesses spend money there yes it's almost like (laughs)
1: because they do yeah well so cool! Came up with some solutions. Um, real quick, then. Um, yeah, I think we got a, some ideas. Yeah, I was gonna
0: say we got like one more thing to talk about. Uh, I have city council written down, yeah. but sure. You yeah, should. you
1: were writing some pieces about the council. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were like saying?
2: Sure. Well, in 2019, so we got seven seats up for grabs of the council during our uh, district elections, and uh-huh. so it's going to be a big topic. And I wanted to to talk about. You know, well, then, which, which council members are? are sort of on the bike train which are not um
0: and as we said timing is very important with these measures and matters so sure now is a good time
2: yeah Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna not too much talk about who's running right now Mm -hmm. you could have me back later to talk about that if you want but it's it's kind of early and and people haven't really made their stances 100 percent clear so i'm not gonna try and suss out based on on uh, their statements but in terms of the sitting council members and you know what, what we're losing, or, or who might stay. Hmm. Um, you know Mike O'Brien, who's been on the council for a very long time, is a long-time bike commuter, big bike advocate, uh, and so uh, he has filed to run again. But it's not 100% certain he's gonna gonna be uh, reelected or will ultimately go through to the election. But um, he's always been a great f- uh, fan of uh, bike infrastructure and big big push. Um, big pusher on these issues and so um, supporting Mike is a really big priority for bike advocates mm. um, Council Member Rob Johnson in District 4 in Northeast Seattle is uh, stepping down and so mm. that'll be a big advocate we're losing in terms of bike infrastructure He's basically the entire reason the 35th is still on the table right now so if we had another council member in that district we might have had those bike lanes painted over a long time ago
1: what's going on there is there like some like wish wash like washing like don't know which side to take kind of thing or which Uh, to support let them hash it out kind of a deal yeah so he's pushed it the mayor
2: has gone into arbitration like i said with those two sides and wow and so they're going back and doing one more round this month of talking to businesses and seeing which they would like to have um the turn lane or the bike lanes and so we're gonna see if we end up getting that it's not 100 percent sentence soon but Mm-hmm. I can't say without Rob Johnson, I don't think that we would even be having that conversation. So, okay. um, and the other district representative from, uh, North Seattle district five currently represented by Deborah Juarez. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so she has been less than skep- uh, less skeptical. Uh, I should say more skeptical. Uh, Deborah Juarez has been more skeptical of bike infrastructure than the other two reps up there, Michael O'Brien and Rob Johnson, um, during budget hearings last year, she questioned whether or not anyone's even using the bike lanes that are being built in her district on Meridian, uh, and a couple other places, and so um, that deborah juarez is not necessarily a full-throated advocate of bike infrastructure i'm not saying that she couldn't get there but right now she's not a fully on on team um productive bike lane hmm. so um
1: and yet we dispelled all these myths <laughs> and we still can't get people on board it's true
2: uh, did we just say have... there's
1: like a fraction of a percent
2: i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> no it's fine um downtown we have sally Backrow who's is also retiring uh she bikes to work from her condo downtown a couple that. blocks yeah um and so she's always been a, a, a big advocate of cycling in terms of um, age-friendly cities and making sure everyone has the ability to do that so um i'm not saying that she's been the most effective on that front um in terms of really making stuff happen but she has been a pretty uh full-throated uh, defender of infrastructure okay and so but obviously it's really important that any d7 downtown representative has that view uh in my view yeah uh the most important um uh lisa herbold in district one is in west seattle mm. um has not been the a particularly bike-centric council member mm-hmm. um very focused on parking and um arterial pavings in terms of transportation issues. And so um, it looks like she's going to coast to re-election, but we're not really putting her in the, the huge advocate category. Um, Bruce Harrell in District 2, which is Southeast Seattle, has not really been that much on board with uh, the dire lack of infrastructure.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's stepping down.
2: And he's stepping down as well, the third member. And then Shama Samant um, in District 3, Capitol Hill. hmm um, that's your council member. That's true. Um, she's been uh, supportive on specific issues, but it's definitely not her top priority in terms of safe streets. Um, right. But but she has been supportive of specific issues, and definitely supportive of, of lower-income people being able to get around via bike. So that's sort of my roundup. Uh, but the the big issue is that we are losing several key advocates. And so... In terms of that funding gap that we are looking at for bike infrastructure, um, if we don't make sure that it's a big issue in November, in August and November, then it's looking like we will continue that drought mm. and not find something that will replace it. So, mm.
1: um, When is the money supposed to supposed to dry up there? Uh, you said it was pretty soon, right?
2: We have a, another couple of big projects. We're going to do the missing link, as you know, mm. as that gets gets finalized it's gonna be a big dollar project as well and so um but about after that and obviously the northgate pedestrian bridge and bike bridge that's gonna be a big bike project mm-hmm. it's not quite in that same category but that's getting done in uh, a couple of years mm. but after that stuff uh it's pretty much nil for bike projects for a while
1: okay okay so it looks like then that that this year is the year to advocate for bikes put that on the agenda I and dig it. huh i dig, dig it. it right
0: i dig it i mean i think part of our advocacy so we've been riding critical mass to talk about that i just uh-huh. wrote down what if we rode 35th this month
1: on critical mass yeah i mean it'll bring attention to it sure will will we get firework shot at us i
0: hope
2: not i hope so <laughs> <laughs> you like to live dangerously. Yeah, there's oh. been a lot of family rides in that area, a lot of bike families. Oh, cool. mm, so, yeah. Um it'd be great to have those people invited as well. That'd be awesome. Indeed. Um, you follow Inga? Yeah. Okay. I think it's great. Yeah.
1: Cool. You know Inga. I know Inga. You work with yeah, Inga Yeah, we go way before. back. Way before. Yeah. Way back. Yeah.
2: Um, but you know, pay attention to the endorsements as they come out from Washington bikes and um Transportation Choices Coalition, uh, T Four Washington is there. Yeah. Doris arm and the Urbanist, uh-huh. and The Seattle Bike Blog, will endorse obviously. So. Cool. Um, oh
1: yeah. Tom will do it. It's
2: gonna be a big. It's gonna be a big uh, year for making sure that everyone is on the same page. Awesome. Not, yeah. I well, am. we're
0: happy to help promote that and help give voice to these people and these groups and these organizations that are fighting for,
1: fighting for the cause. Oh, you're whatever long whatever that cause may be. Yeah. yeah and it's and it's going to be all year long it's going to take some time uh-huh so um since you, since the urbanist is very much involved in engagement and that's one of their like goals for their um, could you real quick tell us like something like what can we do to what can anybody do to put this on the agenda to make this a priority to bring this up like uh, like this next year around councils we'll- how do we make them how do we get them to value it as much as we do in those districts.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so showing up to city council meetings on uh, mass on uh, targeted targeted places, um, I'd say committee transportation, but also full council. Mm. Um, you know, encouraging them to do things like fix Rainier Avenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily install bike facilities, but it definitely needs fixing of some kind. Uh, mm. Sort of a, a great issue to we can all rally around. I think, um, but. You know, they just need to see that they're the constituencies that show up at City Hall, you know, neighbors who are angry about parking, mm. have a counter.
1: Yeah. Um, so be prepared for counter arguments.
2: Yeah, I mean, and this <laughs> year is interesting because we do have those council members who are who are leaving, so they might decide to go a little bit rogue.
3: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, because biking is not, it's not a popular thing to take up on, right?
2: It mm. seems like it. Uh, I mean, the case... In my mind, should be made, but it's definitely something that is shied away from. Mm-hmm. The council is happy to pass resolutions that don't have any teeth that say we should build the bike network
1: downtown. No binding things that but, make them do it.
2: But it's really hard for them to to really clamp down and ensure that's really the purview of the mayor. Mm. So,
1: yeah, the whole mayor thing. There's a lot of authority there, mm-hmm. almost like. Um, and so we do have a new much.
2: a new director of transportation sam zimbabwe is going to be coming oh, in be cool. very soon he mm-hmm. he has done a lot of bike projects in dc and mm-hmm, so yeah. among other things okay i biked sea before
3: yeah it's been there for a long time so
2: he took those bike shares anyway yeah and so he's going to be i think a great a great ally um and communicator of what is necessary for the department to do i think they have the vision but it's all about the execution. Well, and I, right. they, They've right. already
0: started by like combining two different... It's like, well, if we're repaving, might as well put the bike lanes down. now. Whoever thought of that, I want to give them a hug. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it just kind of flipped out the whole model on its head. It was like, hey, we're willing to do this extra work for the same
1: cost. Totally because, makes sense. Yeah. That's that's the solution. We dig up parts of the master plan bike route. We just like go down there. Mm-hmm. We just like jack up the, the street. They have to repave it. And then, therefore, you get a bike lane. I'm not following. You don't
2: No. Nope. <laughs> so let's say, let's say the streets tactical, on the master plan. Some tactical master urbanism plan? out there with uh, tactical some shovels.
1: I like to call it gorilla urbanism.
2: I can't no endorsement. <laughs> okay. Do not endorse.
1: You can't endorse that. All right. Well, on that note, where can we where else cool? can we find you, Ryan?
0: Yeah, I'm uh, on
2: Twitter me. uh TypewriterAlly is nice. my handle. Um and I'm on The Urbanists uh Along with my, my co cowork- my co workers uh doing doing the daily dose of urbanism. Nice. Well, we are we really appreciate your work and yeah, you being thanks. here to talk us yeah. through this really around. and really appreciate the invite. Oh, of Absolutely.
0: course. Thanks for being on
1: again. We got Ryan Packer from the Urbanist. This is Matthew this and is
0: Colin. Colin. We out. Thanks. See ya. We- thanks Seattle. Thanks. Keep Thank those. you. Appreciate Bye. it. We'll. <laughs>
1: Whoa, that was fun. How long was that? You don't want to know. (laughs) 75 minutes.
2: Wow. Wow. That's a lot of material to work
1: with. -hmm. Yeah, probably go with most of it. Um, Nice. I could tell that we we were stretching out. I heard the beep on that thing. that told On mine. Oh,
0: Oh, yours. Yeah. That one was still going, right?
3: Let Let me double check it.